Guys, it's my pleasure to introduce our speaker today. Uh, he's one of our leaders, uh, Mr. King, Mr. Mike King. So, Mike, will you come on down and uh, welcome Mike as he comes to share God's word with us this morning. All right, Mike, give him some heaven. Thanks, Pastor Tom. Man, I, I love Reload, um, and I just want to honor you guys, because it, uh, it takes something to get up at uh, 6, 6.30, 5.30, and uh, be here, right? So you guys are not uh, normal, uh, and God honors that. But seriously, I've been coming to Reload since I was 17, so I did the math on that. That's 24 years now. So I don't say that to impress you, but just to impress upon you the tremendous difference that it's made um, in my life. You know, I used to sit back there at a table with some guys, and um, it was important because I got to hear their stories, and they would be open. Uh, they would be open about their marriages, about uh, their work life, um, about their extracurricular activities, all that stuff, and it made a huge impression on me, and uh, it changed me, and I'm the person that I am today uh, because of what you guys have poured into me over the years um, and helped me with, and they say experience is often the greatest teacher. So a little story for you. There's a donkey, there's a fox, and there's a lion, and they all come together and they say, okay, we're going to go hunt rabbits. So they go out and they hunt, you know, a good six, seven, eight hours. And at the end of the day, they've got a massive pile of rabbits stacked up. Now the lion being the leader, he turns to the donkey and he says, okay, go over there. And I want you to put those rabbits and spread them out equally for us so we can divide them up. So the donkey looks at the lion. He's like, okay. And he uh, waddles over there. And after about a half an hour or so, he's got three equal piles. So he's feeling pretty good about himself. He trots back over the lion. He's like, I'm all done. Look over there. The lion takes one look, snaps the donkey up between his jaws, breaks his neck, and throws him on top of one of the piles. Then he looks at the fox and he goes, see those piles over there? Now go spread them out between both of us. So the fox kind of puts his head down and slinks over to the piles. He takes one tiny little measly rabbit and goes off into the corner and looks at the lion and says, the rest are yours. The lion goes, where'd you learn how to count so good? The fox says, the donkey. Right? So that, that funny story illustrates an important lesson in life, and that is we can learn things through our own experiences, but we can learn things vicariously by watching what other people have done in their lives and with situations. Um, so what I want to talk to you about today is something that God's really put on my heart 
man, it's probably got to be at least a year now. Um, and I've thought about this a lot. I've prayed about it. Um, I've tried to, to live it out in my own life. Uh, but it comes from Proverbs 4.23, which says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do comes from it. And that's the NIV version. Uh, and I think it's funny. I don't think that, um, well, how would I say this? I believe that everything in the Bible is there for a purpose, even the way that things are, are worded. Um, so do you notice that it doesn't say to think about it, right? It doesn't say to think about guarding your heart. It doesn't say uh, maybe you should, might, or might not be a good idea. It says above all else. Why, why would that be? And I'm that guy, right? When I was a kid in, in class, I'd drive my teachers crazy because they'd say, you know, we're going to do this or whatever, and I'd say, why? And it wasn't because I had a problem with authority. Well, maybe slightly at that time, but I really wanted to just know the reasoning behind it. Why are, why are we doing what we're doing? Now, Proverbs 4.23, right, the whole book of Proverbs is was written by Solomon, right? God gave him the words. Solomon wrote it. And if you don't know, Solomon was the richest and wisest man ever to live. In fact, he was so rich that they estimate if he was alive today, his net worth would be $2.1 trillion. You can't even wrap your mind around that. Uh, he reigned, this is how crazy it got, he reigned for 40 years, and every year, he would receive 25 tons of gold. 25 tons. So a little math for you. At $2,000 an ounce, just one ton of gold would be worth $64.3 million. And he received 25 tons a year for 40 years. Now, to give you a little comparison, Jeff Bezos, depending on, I guess, the year and the time of the year, is the richest man in the world, and he's worth $131 billion. So to give you an idea of the difference between $1 billion and $1 trillion, picture a number line from 0 to 100, and it's 100 feet long, and the numbers are spaced out equally. At the 100-foot mark, that would represent one trillion. Now, I want you to guess, where would the one billion mark be on our line? Would it be at, I don't know, 60 feet? Would it be at 10 feet? What's that? No, actually the billion mark that's a good guess, though. Would lie if we were if this was the zero, and then that was the one trillion to give you a comparison. A one billion would be at the one inch mark. Right? That's the difference between a billion and a trillion dollars. That's pretty crazy. So the question is: Is why would God, through Solomon, so sternly warn us to guard our hearts? So when we're born, this is our heart, right? 
It's our whole heart. God has given us a whole heart. But we go through life and we experience things. Certain things happen to us. Certain things we do to ourselves. So part of my story is, right, I was born with a whole heart, but then my dad, he went to prison for 10 years. And that hurt me a lot. So I lost a piece of my heart. And then me and my mom didn't have the best relationship because she was a single mom trying to raise three kids and I didn't understand that. And so we'd get into it a lot and sometimes I'd say really nasty things to my mom and my mom would lose control and she'd slap my face. And that would hurt my heart. And then even after my dad got out of prison and didn't stick around and went back to running the streets or whatever he was doing, I said, okay, how do I fill this hole in my heart? I turned to girls and I met a girl and I gave myself to her, but then she broke up with me and I lost another piece of my heart. And then fast forward, I get to high school, I meet my high school sweetheart, give her a piece of myself, and we break up. There was another piece of my heart. And then fast forward to college, and I get a call one day that my brother has taken his life. There goes another piece of my heart. And now I'm all upset. I'm trying to meet healthy needs, but I'm turning to unhealthy things. So there's the one night stand, whatever her name was. There goes another piece of my heart. And then I meet the woman of my dreams, the future Mrs. King. And I get down on one knee and I say, I'm going to give you everything, all of me, my whole heart. Here it is. Will you have it? And she said yes. And we decide to start a family. And now I'm walking around in life as a man who didn't have a father trying to figure out what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a father? But I've just got a piece of my heart. But the great thing is, God is a restorer of things. And guys, everything we do, our marriage, our relationship with our kids, our relationship with our friends, our relationship with our coworkers, with others, it all comes from the heart. And if you don't believe that, I'd encourage you to do some uh, deep, hard thinking. Matthew 12, 34 says, 
you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. When you go home and you're with your kids and you're with your wife, is this what you want them to have? Is this what they deserve to get? Or do they deserve this? Even a better question, do you deserve this? Do you, do you deserve to walk around to live life with your full heart the way God created it to be? I would say yes. So then the next logical question is, how do we get this? How do we get back to this? And the great thing is, this is both a defensive and an offensive thing. And you'll see that here in a second. Um, but before I get to that, I just want to once again say that these things that we do to our hearts, right, some of them are intentional and some of them are unintentional. My dad choosing to do whatever he did to go to prison, that was unintentional. I, I was collateral damage in that, right? Me giving myself to that girl when I was 14 years old, that was intentional. I did that to myself. I didn't know Right? I couldn't see down the road. I didn't understand the repercussions of doing that, but that was intentional. And this is important because I think as men, when we go through life, like we don't talk. I shouldn't say we. A lot of times we don't hear about these things. You don't know what you don't know. And I went through my own life until I was... 32 years old, and God brought me to a group of guys, and I started to, he started to piece these things together for me. And I would always question, you know, my grandpa, God bless him, he would try to do his best. Uh, he helped raise me half my life, and uh, just, I guess, kind of drive this point home. He would try to talk to me about sex, but he would just say, the Bible says you don't have it. You don't have it before you're married. And, of course, there's me, right, the why guy. Why, Grandpa? Why? Because you don't, because that's what the Bible says. Okay. Well, why does the Bible say that? What do you want to give your wife one day? And we as men, right, because no one takes the time to explain that to us, no one takes the time to show that to us for a multitude of reasons, we go through life. Not knowing what we don't know. Had I known that, had I known that this is what I'd be bringing into my marriage, this is what I'd be giving my kids, would I have made those decisions? I probably would have thought a lot harder about them, I'll tell you that. So, how do we guard our heart? How does God restore our heart? Well, the first way is we get the truth. God's truth. So I got something else in here to show you. 
What is this? A bowl? What's that? A bowl my kid made. It's great. Some people would say a bowl. Some people would say an ashtray. If you ask my daughter who made this for me, she'd tell you it's a jar for coins, for money. Now, the interesting thing is, is I could say it's a bowl. Somebody could say it's an ashtray. But we don't get to determine what this is. We may get to choose what we think it is, but my daughter gets to declare what this is because she's the one who made it. And the same thing holds true about us. What does God say we are? Who does God say we are? Well, the first thing he says, I'm loved by God. John 15, 9. The second truth is, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139, 14. The third thing, I am forgiven and face no condemnation. Romans 8, 1. The fourth thing, I have value and worth. John 3, 16. The fifth thing, I am not alone. Joshua 1, 9. The sixth thing, I am part of God's plan. Jeremiah 29, 11. And the seventh thing, I am loved by others. John 15, 12 through 13. Now, don't make this mistake, right? We're, we're not rookies in this room. We're, we're veterans, right? We're getting up early. We're coming here seeking the Lord. But this is important. All of us probably know those things. But do we all really believe those things? And there's a difference there. You can know all day long, but your life begins to change as soon as you believe. So to do that, to make that move from your head to your heart, you not only need to meditate on God's word and what he says about you, but you need to ask him. I love asking God questions. God, show me what this means. God, well, why, why did this happen to me when I was a kid? Why did I, why did I go through this? God, what's going on in my life? And as long as I've been, I guess, chasing the Lord, he still has to remind me. I mean, I recently got laid off from my job after 15 years back in February. I didn't think it was going to be a very difficult thing for me. I didn't actually think that my identity was wrapped up in work and what I did. But it was kind of a humbling experience because the truth was, is yeah, there, there was some attachment there, right? And God had to remind me and show me again that I'm more than what I did at work, right? <clears throat> the second way that we guard our heart and that God restores us is we walk in obedience. So when I was in ninth grade, I had this teacher. She was a very, she was a new teacher. She was, she was actually awesome. She was a really good teacher. 
She was our English literature teacher. And I was in this class with a whole bunch of, we were just, I felt sorry for her. A lot of, uh, a lot of young boys who were troublemakers, let's put it that way. And you know, I had a lot of crazy stuff going on at home, not to make an excuse, but to kind of give you some context. And one morning I had something wild happen at home and I came to school with all that in my mind. And we'd go in this class and man, we were just idiots, right? And we'd do this thing where we'd swear without swearing. So instead of saying the S word, we'd say ship, right? We'd substitute words in and we'd think we're funny and we would laugh and the teacher would be like, okay guys, enough, enough, enough. Well, this particular day, we were taking that to a new level. And this teacher, she had actually been gone prior to this for about two, maybe three weeks of personal leave, and she had just come back. And she's probably like into her third or fourth day uh, back, and we're just going full boat at her. And she's probably wanting to pull her hair out. So somebody says something to me midway through the class, and... I say something back and try to interject one of those words, thinking I'm funny, everybody look at me, ha, ha, ha. And she's like, enough, go to the principal's office. And I just turned to her, and I go to her, and I said, okay, yeah. And that's why you had a miscarriage. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes. She's biting her lip, and all she could do is point at the door. And I left, and I never came back to that class. I had to sit in in-house suspension for the rest of the year. And, uh, you know, at that time, I probably didn't think too much about it. And over the years, God would prick my heart every now and then and bring that situation back to mind. And uh, we were living in Chicago. I grew up here most of my life, lived in Chicago for five years. I remember being in Chicago, and God would bring that to remembrance. But I would uh, never do anything, and he would be like, maybe you should try to find that teacher and apologize to her. And I would just blow it off. I'd be like, Meh, yeah, maybe you're right, but I'm never going to find her, make an excuse, whatever. And then God brought us back here to Michigan, um, and we live right down the street. And I'm sitting in a, I'm in my house. I'm putting together my desk. I work from home. And I get my desk all put together, and as soon as I sit down, bam, here comes God. Hey, you're back here. Why don't you go try to find that teacher? And finally, I relented, and I said, okay. And I'm like, how do I find her, though? And he, you know, he's like, bring, gives me this idea. So I go on Facebook. I'm like, hey, does anyone remember this teacher we had in ninth grade? And a girl who was in my class messages me, and she's like, yeah. Her name is so-and-so. She actually still works up at the high school, but now she's under this name because she got married. So I'm like, perfect. Sit down at my computer, pull up my email. All right, God, I'm going to write her an email. God's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, I am. He's like, no, you're going to be a man, and you're going to go meet her face-to-face, -face and you're going to apologize. And I'm like, oh, man, Okay. Well, this is a chance, Mike. Are you going to do what you want to do, or are you going to be obedient to what God is asking you to do, not knowing what God has on the other side of this thing? So call up to the school, make an appointment to go see this teacher. Like a day later, go up there, meet the teacher, walk in. My 
I mean, my whole body's sweating, my armpits, my hands, my, my feet, you know, I'm sweating like crazy. Uh, sit down with her, and she's like, yeah, so why'd you, why'd you want to meet with me? And I'm like, well, make a little small talk, and I'm like, you probably don't remember this, but uh, in ninth grade, uh, I wasn't the best kid, and, um, you know, I said some things, and she kind of looks at me, and she's like, yeah, I kind of, you know, remember you giving me a little bit of trouble, and I'm like, well, you know, um, I'm here because God really put something on my heart, and um, I need to make it right, and I need to apologize to you, and then I proceed to tell her the story and the exact words that I said to her, and here, all those feelings come back. Her eyes are watering up, right, and she's looking at me. And I take a deep breath, and I'm like, I'm really sorry for saying that to you. I should have never said those words. Um, all I can ask is that I, I hope that you would forgive me. And, you know, there's a little pause, and then she puts her arms around me, and she gives me a hug, and she's crying, and I'm trying not to cry. And she's like, yeah, I forgive you. Thank you so much for saying that to me. And I don't tell you that story to, I tell you, to like say, look at me, I did this great thing, right? Like when, the crazy thing is, is I didn't want to do that all those years, and God was trying to tell me to do that. And God wasn't, God wasn't only telling me to do that because I needed to make amends for, for, for wounding her heart, right? But he was giving me back a piece of my heart by going to her and asking for forgiveness. And I can't tell you the feeling that I got that I left that meeting with after, not in her saying, I forgive you, in me just saying, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? The power that is in that. It was like a 300-pound weight that I did not even know was there off of my back. So we walk in obedience. And then finally, uh, the third thing, which actually goes a little bit with the second thing, is we forgive. God's called us to forgive. Um, it was just this past Father's Day, and I was out on my porch, and um, God was speaking to me again, and he's like, hey, I got a Father's Day gift for you. And I'm like, okay, God, what, what, what's that? Um, and he brings this memory back to me. And uh, I was in college. Uh, my brother had, um, I said earlier, he took his life. Wasn't sure if I was going to go back to school. I was the first person in my family to be blessed to, to, go, to go to school. Um, so it was kind of a big deal. I also played basketball, so... Um, there was that opportunity there, but I didn't know if I was going to go back. I didn't know. I was, I was depressed. I was, it was just a crazy time, um, but I decided to go back, and I had never really processed my brother's death. Like, when crisis happens, my default mechanism is to go into me shut down and me take care of everybody else. Mike's feelings don't matter. What can I do to help my brother or my sister, my mom, my grandparents, everyone else. I, I, I matter last. And that's what I did. Um, and I never really grieved or processed. So I go back to school. I'm seeing a counselor. 
my professors are working with me so I can get caught up in, in schoolwork, but I also got basketball, so I'm in basketball. And my coach, God bless him, um, if he, I don't know if this is true, I only speculate, but I believe that if he needed to make a point because he knew that I was probably more thick-skinned than a lot of the other guys on my team, if he needed to drill a point home, he would use me to drill that point home uh, for the team, which at times I did not appreciate. And so we're in practice, and uh, he starts to do it again uh, and, you know, is, is, is getting on me. And go back, we're doing like a five-on-five five drill, and I make a mistake. And this, all this pressure that had been building and building and building and building finally comes out of me, and I just like almost like blank out, and I run over to these bleachers. We had these metal bleachers, and I start punching these bleachers as hard as I can, and I'm crying. And all of this grief and all of these feelings and this emotion is coming out of me as I'm raging out, I guess, on these bleachers. And instead of him coming over and putting his arm around me and being like, hey, it's okay. Like, I'm here for you. He says, King, you're such a GD drama queen. And I turn and I look at him. And inside, I'm like, I just want to rip this guy's head off. Um, but I just kind of like shake my head and put my head down and slink back in the line to get back in the drill or whatever. And once again, you know, you move on and you don't really think about that. So here I am on my porch, Father's Day, and God's like, brings that back to me. And he's like, I want you to forgive your coach. I'm like, okay. But I've, now I've been around the block a couple times, God. Like, you're asking me to do this because I know that there's freedom. There's something on the other side of that. So I walk through this process of forgiving my coach and praying a blessing over him and his family and whatever he's up to these days. And more of that weight that I didn't know was still there because I've been carrying it all those years falls off. And what a beautiful Father's Day gift that was from God to give me. So I want to close here a minute. Uh, if you'll just spare me five minutes here. Um, I know it's 729 if you got to go. Um, I want to ask you a question. What are you carrying around? What are you carrying around? Do you want to go back to your family with this? Or do you want to go back to your family with this? And really, your choice is none of my business. I care about you. I want you to go back to your family with this. I want you to live your life with this. <laughs> it's hard living life with this. It's hard. But God is good enough 
that he'll bring this. He'll give you this back. Peace by peace. So if you'll bow your head for a second. Ask God. God, Daddy, Father, is there anything that I'm carrying around that you want me to give up? Is there any unforgiveness that I have towards somebody or something, some situation that you've been calling or asking me to give over to you? I don't want to continue living my life with only a part of my heart, God. I want my whole heart. I want my family to have my whole heart. I want my wife to be able to see my whole heart. Show me, God. Show me. Thank you, God, for that revelation. Thank you for making that known to these men in here, whatever that looks like. So I want to ask you, there's going to be some of the other leaders up here. Um, Pastor Tom, Skip, if you guys would come up here a minute. If God showed you something and you're ready to lay that down at his feet. You say, I don't want to leave here with this anymore. I don't want to take this back to my family. I don't want to take this back to my kids, back to my wife. I don't want to, I don't want to live with this anymore. Well, I want to invite you to come up here. You can talk to Pastor Tom. You can talk to Skip. You can talk to me. And it's simple. All you're going to do tell us what that is. What is it that you don't want to leave here with anymore? And we're just going to agree with you in prayer and cover you. And God will do the rest. And you won't leave that with here. Or you won't leave here with that. And he's going to give you back that piece of your heart that you either didn't have the right to give away and he's going to give that back to you. Or maybe it's a situation where you took something from somebody, a piece of their heart that you had no part to take or no right to take. And he's going to give that back to them. Either way, you're going to experience freedom by being obedient, whatever that looks like. So for the rest of you, I pray that um, God would continue to reveal these things to you and you would be obedient and do whatever it is that he's asking you to do with that. Um, we'll be up here. This is between you and the Lord. 
if there's something that's on your heart or your mind that he's revealed to you, I'm going to dismiss us here. Uh, come up. Let us pray with you. Don't take that back to your wife. Don't take that back to your kids. Don't live with that another day, another minute.